1: Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. This week I sit down with the Managing Director of Matchroom Multisport, Emily Fraser. She's responsible for promoting the Champion of Champions, Championship League and lots of other sporting events as well across the Matchroom platform. We had a good chat about various things, including, of course, the new dress code for the Champion of Champions. Just to say uh, thanks for all your emails in the last week. I'll be dealing with them all next week. Do keep them coming in, though. podcast at mail.com. That's podcast at mail.com. But right now, here's my chat with Emily Fraser. Emily, you are Managing Director of Matru Multisport. What does that mean? What does it entail? And what are your main duties? I
0: still make teas and coffees, (laughs) um, which is what I started in. Uh, Yeah, it's it's obviously multisport has grown over the last couple of years and started off as special events when I first came into the fold. And um, we were running three pool events, which were still the biggest events in Paul. Um, we were doing the annual Fishermania which is Baz's love um, and you know temping bowling, a bit of ping pong uh, and it was it was, yeah it was kind of just the it's not darts, it's not boxing side of Matchroom and it was the special events. Um, we've obviously grown a team and we've developed it into Matchroom Multisport Limited which is now evolved into New events, uh, gymnastics that we've taken on board, netball, we've had a try and basketball, and uh, the list is endless, really. Uh, One love of mine I'd love to try is cheerleading. Um, So we kind of look at multi-sport, and now it's, okay, we don't do the darts, we don't do boxing, but we stage these fantastic events that can go to the O2 and sell 10,000 tickets, um, where you can watch someone like Simone Biles do a superstars of gymnastics type of event so really you know i oversee matry multisport have quite a small but dynamic team where each individual is so unique in their own way that brings a different flavor or flair uh, to our events and i think a couple of years ago i saw it as a disadvantage the fact that we weren't just within one sport we weren't just doing snooker events we weren't just doing darts we weren't just doing boxing because one week we're building a bowling lane in an arena, and the next we're trying to build a nine-foot pool table, which logistically that's a huge challenge. But now I just see it's it's such a, it's it's such a unique advantage of ours because that's what makes us so good at what we do because we have the ability to step back and see what happens in other sports, but be within those sports, we witness different athletes that come to the events. Um, we witness how the events take place and how they're run um, within, you know, associations or in, in one sport it's and one sport is umpires. Mm. Um, so it's all very different and it allows us to perhaps try something in one sport that we would never even think of trying because we think, well, it's, it's, it's worked there, why don't we give it a go on something else? So I actually think it's, it's a massive benefit to us and it, it makes us who we are at multi-sport and it's one of our huge strengths
1: and the markets for these sports they're bigger than people realize because you think of something like temping bowling is quite niche but lots of people play it socially same with pool same with a lot of these sports and they all have an, an audience don't they which i guess you're trying to grow with each event you do
0: yeah of course and and it's that's how it is they're the niche events mm. um but again something like temping bowling it's huge over in america um uh they are very unique events gymnastics it's the most watched sport during the Olympics. Um, so we take a sport and the hardcore fans who love it, we try not to um, you know, create a gimmick out of the sport and we try to keep it professional and keep that balance. But we put our multi-sport spin on it and we make it appealing for a casual sports fan. Um, so it may be a niche event, but I mean, look at Paul it's you know people don't see it has the same level of prestige as say a snooker event but in america mm. it's 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 huge and there's a massive market over there and the the problem is is that it's just there's just not enough of it on tv mm. and so what our role at multisport is to keep expanding the events that we're doing to keep trying more of these events and to make them bigger and better. So first of all, it's increasing viewing figures, which we have been doing in every one of our events that we've been um, promoting. And if it's not doing well, then we reevaluate it and we see what happens recently with our ping pong event. Uh, We've been running the world championship of ping pong for good five years. Uh, We haven't seen the, the increase that we would like to see. And we looked at bringing in a new pool event instead because we're seeing the potential in Paul, And right now there's six global pool events on television, which are the matchroom events. Mm. So no wonder why Paul isn't at the status as what snooker or darts is, because there isn't enough of it globally out there because we're the only ones doing it. So our aim is to, again, make the events better, make it appeal to a wider audience, these niche sports, make them appeal to a more casual sports fan because they're exciting mm. you know you'd never think that you would tune into the weather cup of tempin bowling and see and literally watch five players on a team like bowl a ball down a lane like one lane mm. in a seated arena and it'd be exciting but it is and it's the arenas we create it's the atmosphere we create that makes it exciting but we also have such huge characters in these sports and the main point is to feature them and to let them come out of their shell at our event. So then people, they're more personable and everyone wants to root for their favourite to win. Mm.
1: Well, let's, let's turn to, to this week. We're at the Championship Champions of um, Champions. I think, I mean, most people, including, you know, a lot of people at the event, including players, probably don't understand the amount of planning that goes into putting on a tournament. So when do you start planning this event?
0: Gosh, well, we start planning next year's now mm. um, because... We're looking at the champion of champions now. We're already seeing day one, day two, and seeing how we can improve and what can be done better for next time. Um, I mean, even just mentioning to you the banners along the arena, uh, there should be a white light uh, lighting up each banner and then a red light comes into play as the player gets eliminated from the event. But we've already got our dates set for next year. Um, Obviously, we were trying Bolton here for a new venue for um, this year's event. Uh, we're looking at whether we should stay here or whether we should move somewhere else because obviously we don't want to be complacent. We always want to grow. We want to, I don't I don't want to just sit champion of champions that are always sitting at 600 spectator capacity. That's just not how we operate. Um, our Moscone Cup event, we have an aim that each year it has to grow. It, we can never do the same seating capacity twice because it always has to be bigger than the year before so the aim is to find uh, another home for the champion of champions because we were in coventry for a, a good few years but we were unlucky and unfortunate with the venue there just not having the availability for us in our set date so we are we do plan quite well in advance but then we do have lots of sports that we're in and sometimes we can find that we just get into an event and then we're rushing into the next one and that's one thing that myself and the team are really looking at is to be more organised and to try and not be last minute um, because when we're organised and we can allow ourselves to be creative that's when we're at our best because like I said to you there's a unique team that's so creative once we have the time to do that it's it's really beneficial for our events but the Champions Champions it's it's one of those events we love doing it because I mean the matches that we get they're all top quality matches and it is up there with the top snooker events in the world.
1: Mm. Obviously, World Snooker Tour run you know, all the ranking events. Matchroom run Championship League and the Champion of Champions. So d- is it a sort of um, deliberate um, decision to try and make it look different from those other events? Because it it's a different event, it's a differently promoted event, I suppose.
0: Yes, we, it's our multi-sport team run Champion of Champions and Championship League snooker. So. Um, as much as World Snooker Tour is obviously um, you know, sort of part of matchroom um, it's still a very different team that leads these two events here um, and we obviously have a different way that we like our events to look um, yes there's so many snooker events on the calendar and players are going from one to the other and of course we want ours to look different um, so we always want to sit there, if it means we have to sit there for a few extra hours each night in the office to try and think of creative ways for this to be different, then we'll do it because it should stand out. Because, like I touched base on earlier, multi-sport have this uniqueness where we're, we're so different because we're in all these other sports, introducing the jerseys this year. We've only had that, we've taken that risk and we've taken that boldness because we're in other sports. Um, I mean, I've personally seen poker, for instance Uh, the main events happening at the moment they're playing for $8 million and I know that there's comparisons to snooker and Paul and you know Paul's less prestigious but poker is literally the World Series Poker, they're playing for $8 million does anyone care (laughs) what these poker players are wearing Mm. it's, yeah, okay, it's a different sport, they're sat at a table the dealer is in you know, a smart attire, for instance, but the players, there's no strict attire on what they wear. And I've also, you know, been, been at those poker events and looked at the dress code where we were running our Premier League poker at Matchroom. We're in these different sports, and so we, we have a different mindset. We're not within one sport. And I said before, I used to think it was a disadvantage, but I actually think it's huge for us. That's, that's the benefit, and that's our strength, and that's why we can come into an event like the champion of champions, we've just finished our netball event and we've been dealing with eight teams of netballers, 10 on each team, a fast paced day of five hours of 13 matches. And now we're coming in straight into a snooker event, which is totally different, totally different athletes, totally different setup. But that's great because we approach all of our sports in the same way. We approach all of our athletes in the same way. We make sure that everyone is looked after in the same possible way. And that's just our vision on it. Um, and I think that's that's the great thing about the multi-sport events. And we always want to make the champion of champions a, a huge spectacle. Uh, I just, I love the fact that the players love coming here mm. because that makes us feel good. I love that you can watch the audience and they're sitting there and they're happy and they're enjoying themselves. And I mean, my motto is basically anyone shouldn't have time to go to the toilet and that's in in all of our events and it's difficult to achieve in an event like snooker um it's a lot easier to achieve an event like netball when you've got 13 matches in five hours we've got kiss cam we've got dance cam we've got emoji cam and it and then all of a sudden there's a, a two minute window and we've got cheerleaders running out doing a performance and that performance was fantastic the the 3, fans were going mental I mean, imagine if we tried to bring that into snooker, we'd get absolutely <laughs> crucified. But there's a balance, you know, that we still are not, not going to run away with myself and all of a sudden bring in cheerleaders to perform at <laughs> Champion of Champions. But again, we need to make sure that everyone at home is enjoying the experience, but also everyone in this arena enjoying the experience. You know, it's easy when people flick to a commercial break and they can fast forward or they can go and make a cup of tea. The fans in this arena, they're the ones who have bought the ticket. They're the ones that have got on the train, got in the car, and they've come here. So we should be giving them the experience. I mean, we walked around yesterday and noticed that the fans were... They have, obviously, a holding area before they can get into the arena. They've just stood around, and its it's not as enjoyable for them. But we made a last-minute... We had a last-minute meeting last night, and let's put our day one um, roundup video that we put on our social media on the screens in there. So they've just got, I don't know, something a little bit extra to watch. If one person out of those people turn around and watch that and have a smile on their face, then that's, that's made my day. But we should always be thinking outside the box. We should be thinking about everyone. And our motto is basically, if we want everyone to come to work and enjoy themselves, and that includes our staff, our team and the players and the spectators.
1: Just on the shirts, I mean, I think feedback has been mixed, which you probably expected. But what are the what are the players sort of said? Because I know quite a few of them have said in the past that actually don't like the waistcoats and all that because it's quite restrictive. I know Judd has been quite um, vocal in this. So, so, what's the general feedback been?
0: Yeah, Marmite. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, look, it was a, it was quite a bold move and it was a risk. Um, it seems to have gone down very well with the players. Um, the players all loved it. Um, we also made sure that the shirts were uh, visually approved by all of the players leading up to. So we created their you know, little uh, logos yeah. for their nicknames, sent it to the players in advance and said, look, we've created this view. it's gonna go on your shirt, and made sure obviously the players were happy. You never know how the shirts are gonna look. I mean, they were manufactured in China. Um, and they were sent to us prior, and I wasn't happy with the first batch. And we went back and upped the quality, um, spent some more money on it to make sure that they were better than what they are. They're still not where they should be in my mind. Um, I pictured something that we haven't quite achieved, but it was kind of a last-minute decision. Um, and go back to how we kind of a bit last-minute on our um, on our decisions sometimes, but. Uh, the thinking I've always wanted to mix up the champion of champions and I've all and to be totally honest with you I've always been a little bit frightened to do it because we're not world snooker we're not running all of the snooker events and for us to make a you know make a change it's quite a bold move and I don't want to upset too many people I don't want to upset the hardcore fans but again we are very successful in our other sports and I know that this definitely was the right decision to do. Have we executed as well as we should have? Possibly not. But it's, a, you know, it's the first time we've done it. We've learned what we can do better and now I want to build on it for our events for moving forward. So yeah, it's gone down a bit like Marmite. Um, I look back at when we announced the Earl Strickland for the Moscone Cup this year. And I saw the old footage of he was wearing basically like a USA Dickie Bow, USA waistcoat and a shirt. And, I, and because th- leading up to this event, I've been thinking, oh, gosh, maybe I made a wrong decision here. Maybe we should have stuck with the waistcoats and just gone with the tie like normal. Maybe it's not smart. And it was really, it was a little bit nervy about it. And then I saw this and I went, no, absolutely not. If I turn around now and bought, waistcoats and bow ties back to the Moscone Cup, I'd kick myself. I wouldn't even do it because look how far we've come and look at the, when I look at the players that are coming through the Moscone Cup and our pool events, they're a lot younger than what they have been um, in these last 18 months because we're appealing to a younger generation. Just something as small as changing the attire, the players feel a bit more comfortable. Again, we've got a happier player and Yeah, some people might like it. Some people might hate it. It doesn't affect the match at the end Mm. of the day. Very true. But we're trying to create a more modern vibe. We're trying to create a different look. We obviously want to come across a bit different. And I think it was the right thing to do. And I just love that you turn the darts on and you see the Michael Van Gerwen shirts. I mean, the players turn around and go, like Mark Selby yesterday, goes, oh, so... Imagine if I turned up and people were buying my shirt. I said, exactly, Mark, that is what we should be doing. And so you can turn up to the champion of champions next year, and then each player has their own bespoke design. We wanted to ease it in a little bit. We didn't want to frighten everyone straight away and go, right, here's a bright red shirt for Mark Selby, or this and that. And we, we would like to change the designs and give them something bespoke. So then they have their official shirt that people want to buy. I mean, imagine being a player, and you've got, say for instance, someone like Judd, he's walking down and he's walking into the audience from his walk-on and he looks around, he can see people wearing his shirt and all of a sudden you come away from this quiet sort of atmosphere for the walk-ons and things like that, the atmosphere is better you feel like it's just a bit more fresh and it's it's more current and new um, and yeah, maybe we're upsetting the hardcore fans but... I think we have to do something um, and I'm just pleased that you know we have done it and we've sort of had balls to, to do it as such. Um, it's just we just need to build on it and we need to work on it. Um, we made the decision when we were at the US Open in Atlantic City in August. Um, we watched, obviously, like I said to you, I was a bit concerned about making changes in the snooker events. Um, Judd went out and played his match at the pool um, and I said to him, "I said, well, how did that? Like, how do you feel playing out then He was, "I feel more comfortable." He goes, oh, "I look around; it's a bit more relaxed." Obviously, Paul's very different to Snooker, I'm not saying they're the same. um But attire-wise, I was like, "Would you pay snooker like that?" And he goes, "Yeah, I think I would." And so, obviously, I straight back into the office and brainstorm with the team and say, "Right, let's do some jerseys for the Champion of Champions." So, we were a little bit last minute with it. Um, again I think we could have executed it better with a bit more lead time but the good thing is is that everyone's talking about it which is fantastic and not everyone hates them it's it's a case of it's half and half and you know I'm a positive person so I see it as um, uh, it's more of a half cup full sort of situation
1: well, my, my feeling on it is that I think people accept change eventually. I mean, people forget, like, there never used to be walk There never used to be music. Mm. It was Barry, actually, who introduced all that in the 80s. And a lot of the things that people now just accept, they would have been against then. Of course, there was no social media then, obviously. No. But, let, but let, I wanted to go back, though, to last year, Emily, because um, obviously all sport in Britain had to stop, as we mm-hmm. know, because of the lockdown. Uh, the government said it could come back on June the 1st under very strict regulations. And we were all there in Milton Keynes at the Championship League. You were there, of course. Uh, Donna from World Snooker Tour as well the two of you and your teams had to basically work out how to run an event in a pandemic, never been done before there was no blueprint for it, mm. what was that like?
0: I've got grey hair now <laughs> I'm only 31 years of age <laughs> if I didn't dye my hair you'd see it's all grey um, I mean I think I was talking with Ken about it yesterday actually, um, we were saying like where we're at now it was oh my god it was just a bloody nightmare but it was so exhilarating at the same time because I just remember talking to people and they hadn't been out their house and they had not been doing that I've been at the office every day because obviously we're planning for this big event and it wasn't you know we had three months to plan for it we made the decision in two weeks and we had two weeks for the event and I remember going into the office and um, or initially speaking to Barry and he said, look, we're going to do this together. And the decisions were, and the conversations began with World Snooker at, um, at the beginning. And normally we operate our matchroom multi-sport mm. events and World Snooker operate their events. But for this one-off, we came together and did like a joint venture together. Um, and But it was very good because it meant that in a time where it was going to be very challenging for us logistically we all came together and just put on a fantastic show for the players um and for the spectators at home I mean the viewing figures were fantastic for the event as you can imagine um but those two weeks leading up to it oh my gosh I've, I just even remember my dad turning around to me going Emily are you sure like I don't know if you like are you okay about all of this like and I was like dad it's fine like it's just it's matching this is what we do sort of thing and yeah that was it he turned around and he said no I don't think I don't think that's going to be okay and I said dad this is what I do like it's fine um but I had that buzz because I think we were the first ones that were back and also we were we were back doing what we love doing and that was putting on a live sporting show um And uh, yeah, touching base with Ken, the logistics around the risk assessments that we had to do. And and because we were the first ones, and also we weren't sure what to expect, I wanted to follow the risk assessment line by line. And I mean Ken Doherty, when he stepped out (laughs) into that stadium, we saw him on CCTV and Mark Williams has come up to me and said, Emily, um, Ken Doherty stepped out of the bubble. I mean, if this happened now, you know, it wouldn't mm. be like that. And he stepped out of this bubble and he's, all he's done is he's walked into the stadium to take a bloody Instagram picture. And he said to me yesterday, he goes, I can't, I can't get those words out of my head. Ken, can I have a word with you? <laughs> and I pulled him to the room and I just said, look, you've got to go back and test. You've got to isolate. And this is back when we were doing, uh, we had to isolate 24 yeah. hours for your result. Yeah. So he's had to go to his room, wait for the nurse to come the next day, so then he's already in his room at night, then he's had to test, then he's had to wait another 24 hours to get his result back um, before he can come back out and he ended up losing two days work. But that was because it was so strict and it was, we were just so unsure and uncertain about what was happening. Um, no one knew what was going on and you, just, you had to take every decision um, with caution and, you know, we laugh about it now, but at the time, it was really stressful because yeah. it's it's your head on the line. Um, mm. And one small error could have shut down the event.
1: I was going to say that. I mean, you must be proud that, you know, it passed off. With, I mean, all right, Ken's broke the bubble, but that wasn't a big deal. But, <laughs> I mean, there's lots of things that potentially could have gone wrong. But actually, we got through it without any major catastrophes. I mean, you must be really proud of that.
0: Yeah, I do look back at it and think, um, I think we bring it up in every team meeting that we have that it's one of those things that, and even when I speak to new partners, um, you know, when we did our deal with Caesar's Entertainment for the US Open, I say, yeah, we were the first ones who brought live sport back in the UK during, after the, uh, during the pandemic. And so it, it's a huge achievement. And I think it took even multi-sport to the next level of our, um, of ourselves. You know, we all professionalized as a team and we all came together. And in those instances, everyone comes together as a team and that's what I love about our events it doesn't matter what job role you've got doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter how busy you are everyone comes together to support one another and the main thing about our team is that everyone's got one another's backs no one wants to see anyone struggle and that event was a struggle because it, it was it was scary as to what the outcomes were going to be and um, but it's a huge achievement I'm really proud of how we all came together and and got it over the line and now all of a sudden we've got a ranking edition of Championship League snooker.
1: Yeah brilliant absolutely I mean it seems to me uh, and you've sort of articulated it there there's a definite matchroom ethos and it starts obviously with Barry Hearn who who set the whole thing up and you always get the feeling with Barry nothing's a chore whatever he does he's going to enjoy he's going to make the most of he's going to try and you know take advantage of whatever situation even a pandemic Mm. and it seems to me all the guys at matchroom you're all sort of cut from the same cloth Does, does it all start with Barry?
0: Yes, definitely. Um, Barry's I love the moments when you go into Baz's office and you can just you just have catch-ups with him now and that's kind of uh, my relationship with him is that we just catch up every other day. Um, I let him know what's going on with our events and we brainstorm how we're going to evolve Paul. Um, and he's just so motivational and you could you always leave the office anytime I leave Baz's office. I want to go work 24 hours mm. solid for him mm. because I want to do that for myself as well and I want to do that for the company but he just has that about him I mean I've been working at the company for 11 years now um, and when I first came in it was you know teas, coffees, it's do any job that mm. you sort of have to do and um, the background's more on the television side and it's just it's just working along with Barry you want to it's if you're at Matchroom, you love what you do. You're not there um, if you don't love it, and that is his ethos. That's how he operates, and that's how our teams should be. And I think it the the leaders have that from Baza. and then it filters down within the teams, um, and that's what makes our event so unique because everyone just loves it. Everyone loves what they do. Yeah, um, I think someone asked me about the or even. You get to the champion champions here. The group stages are, you know, the, the longer stage. And then we could get to Thursday night. We finished our afternoon sessions and now we're going into an evening session of Friday. That doesn't mean it's a, a morning or an afternoon off and everyone automatically it's right, okay, got the day off. No, <laughs> there is no day off. We come down first thing in the morning and we think, how can we make Friday evening better? How can we make the semi finals that little bit different? to what the group stages have be. I don't know, shall we try and do our dance cam in the advert breaks that we've been doing at the netball? Let's all make sure that we can implement that. Let's have a meeting about it Friday and try and put that forward. But It's because we want the events to keep getting better. We don't want to be complacent. Um, I just, well, I just love what we do anyway, and I think that just sort of probably shines through our events.
1: Well, one, of the, one event that has always fascinated me is Fishermania, because <laughs> if you are going to, I think, choose one activity that is not really a TV sport, it's fishing, but somehow Barry, which he obviously loves fishing himself, has managed to make it into, well, that's kind of the highlight of the fishing year, really.
0: Yeah, it, Fishermania, <laughs> it's, it's... Oh, my God, it's... Well, it's the longest-standing um, sporting event with Sky Sports. Mm. Um, so they... Have, it's like it holds a little soft place in their heart as well um, and everyone who works on the event whether it's the broadcaster or the events team they just go, oh, I always want to be on the Fishmania event it's just five hours of fishing but it goes so quickly and it's just so mad I mean we had 4,000 people um, come as spectators for this year and it's just it's just madness <laughs> you know we've got a live drone going over um, and it's literally Coverage of 24 anglers Around a lake Just catching fish mm. But somehow It's exciting <laughs> And As a team As Multisport Who are quite a young We're a young team We all bloody love it And the anglers are The winners are coming through They're getting younger um, Good few years ago I remember when I first come in we, we were doing like a ladies event We were doing a main event And we were doing a juniors And It was all quite disjointed. Now it's evolved into, it's mixed for the main event. So ladies can compete and they can enter and the reigning champion, the women's champion gets into the main event. And now we've actually expanded the junior side of things. So we've expanded that to eight anglers and we've increased the prize money. Now for next year, we're going to be doing qualifiers for the junior event because we know that there's demand out there and there are younger anglers coming through the ranks and also during the pandemic fishing everyone's going out to fish because obviously it was an outdoor sport so again fisherman is one of those ones that's been going every year and we could just keep doing what we've been doing every year but where's the fun in that we just we've got to keep growing we've got to keep expanding because you never know what can happen
1: well, speaking of expanding, of course, pool, I know, is one of your big passions. And that seems to be really taking off. You've got new events and you're really looking to push it.
0: Yeah, about three years ago, we were doing three events um, a year. And like I said, we could we could still be doing those three events now and still be the biggest promoters in pool, which is really scary to think that in a sport, you're just doing three events and you're still the big players. Um, but we acquired the US Open Oh my gosh, I've never worked on an event that has... I literally, there's a video, of me, pretty much nearly crying <laughs> because our container that got shipped from the UK to the US got lost. This is year one. It's got everything on it. And, I mean, we had our, um, our tournament balls on there. We started day one with a different sponsor of balls. I mean, we all know how mm. terrible that is. Uh, we made a set out of trestle tables because we didn't have a set still looked absolutely top draw um transport really helped on that and I just it that was really something but we've been doing one table events for so long you know casually 16 players turning up all of a sudden we had 256 players turning up for this event and 33 tables not gonna lie we were totally out of our depth. you know a team of five of us and um, it was it was a struggle but it's you know we've learned from it and it's taken us into um a new team that you know we would never really be at then we took on the world championship because if we're going to be the best in promoter in the industry we should have the top events uh, and during the pandemic always like to see a silver lining um we launched championship league Paul, which is obviously our yeah. addition from um, championship league snooker And we proved that was successful. Um, You know, kept it behind closed doors like we do our CLS event. Um, And we changed it to a one-day event because, obviously, prize money is a little bit different in pool. And then we've just announced the UK Open. So we're going to try our Open event um, here in the UK. And I won't say purposefully, but the dates just happen to fall outside of the snooker (laughs) season. So... um, We'll see what, you know, snooker players may turn up for that because they might fancy their chances at the Copper mm. Box in London. And also, it's a fun event to participate in. Um, but the real base behind it is that over the last couple of months, we've seen a significant growth, especially in our social media and our YouTube uh, in Paul, uh, where we can look at putting these events on just purely off of the figures that we're getting through on our YouTube channel. Mm. Um, mm. In the figures are increasing... Especially in DAZN in US um, and on Sky Sports as well, so we're seeing the growth. So we're making, we're going to make a big commitment and a big push for moving forward. Next year we're going to launch eight events. So all of a sudden, from three to eight, uh, we're in a total different um, ball game now. Um, and we've got some announcements coming soon about how we're going to try and streamline, professionalise the sport because there needs to be a real big push in pull. Um, but it takes someone or a company to actually make that push themselves. And with Barry retiring, um, he's got a lot of time on his hands between fishing, I think, and coming to the office. And How he's... retired
1: is he, though, really?
0: <laughs> no, he's not. Um, he's very much... It's quite nice, actually, because it's more of like a chit-chat advisory kind of mm. vibe. You know, you go in and you bounce ideas off one another, and he'll say, oh, what about this? And have you thought about this for the pool? And like I said... You come out feeling more motivated and so actually i feel like he's just basically chief motivator and um, which is really great because he lets you get on with your stuff and you know the the shirts change for the champion of champions you wouldn't even think to mention it to him i'm sure he'll tuned in and thought bloody hell yeah, what was she done <laughs> emily <laughs> and he's probably going what have you done here with the champion of champions but um he puts his trust in you and he kind of but, He's also, you know, he's been around for years and he's got so much experience with the snooker tour, with darts, um, and also the history with Paul. Mm. And I think together, him and I are sort of looking at what we can be doing. And yeah, we're gonna make a real big push for Paul uh, mm. because there's, there's a sparkle there. And I think it being compared to, you know, not as prestigious or anything like that is just because it's not quite out there enough It's just not on TV enough. We will get the pool to the status where it should be. It's just a matter of time. And uh, hopefully we can try and make that a bit quicker rather than um, later.
1: How important was it to get Judd out there to play in the the US Open? I think I was there when you were persuading (laughs) him at the Championship League and you sort of wore him down eventually. But, I mean, it definitely brought attention to the event in this country.
0: Definitely. Um, in the US, not so much, um, because you know he's he's not a big player in in the US market, and and I don't think he really realised that when uh, when I was trying to sort of, when we were chatting about it, and it was it was quite interesting because at CLS obviously there's a lot of downtime. Um, our our US Open promo was going out on the CLS adverts, and he's sitting in the office, and he's you know just asking a few questions, and yeah, I did. I was putting it on him quite a bit, saying, you know, come out, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then nothing really happened. And then he came back for his group final and said, right, OK, let's talk US Open. I thought, huh? <laughs> and so all of a sudden we were talk- We were starting talking business. Um, I think that looking back, it was one of the best decisions that we've done. Um, because also for just for the growth of Paul. Someone like Judd, who's obviously been quite vocal. Um, he's, he's also quite current in how we're approaching Paul as well at the moment. And he is looked at as one of the superstars from some of the Paul players. Um, he did actually get a very good draw, uh, which is, it is a random draw, um, for the US Open. And it was great. He attended the press conference. He attended a live Q&A. And he saw something that I don't think he really does at the snooker you know when he turned up at um, Harrah's Resort he had a nice limo picking him up from the airport and he's turned up and he's greeted by security and you know we get the video footage of him coming through and mm. I think he felt like a bit of a superstar which by the way we didn't do just for Judd we kind of do that with our top players anyway that's just like how we do Phil it y- Phil Yates had
1: a limo he told me <laughs> airport, so that, but, but he is he a superstar on, of
0: course <laughs> he was on the bus um, <laughs> No, and uh it's i think he he just enjoyed um the atmosphere there he said it felt fun mm. um it felt relaxed and he didn't feel the you know it it just felt enjoyable to him and then oh my gosh when he gets out then he's won his these two matches and then he goes out and he plays jason Shaw. I'm. i'm st- i couldn't take my eyes off the match i'm sitting there thinking you cannot win this match <laughs> there is no way you can win and i'm by the way I'm getting slated by the pool industry at the same time because now I've, put, I've already put Judd Trump's matches on the main table and I'm being slated because I haven't put, obviously, like a kind of Kyron Wilson effect yeah, yeah, yeah. in the yeah. pool. Um, but I knew it was the right decision. Our viewing figures, figures tripled. Mm. That's great growth of um, Paul And I know that a lot of people here wanted to tune in to see how he was getting on. And mm. the, he was trending on Twitter.
1: Mm.
0: And we've never had that in Paul. And, um, you know, it's, I'm OK to say that because that's what we needed. And I'm happy to make, you know, make calls to try and boost that and to make that happen. But he's gone out there and he's got absolutely demolished by one of our top players. And that was great to see because it showed everyone that, yeah, OK, maybe the snooker fans or snooker players look at Paul in probably, um, you know, uh not so professional way and don't give it the respect that it needs. But even Judd came away from it and said, I actually think I underestimated the poor players, like the top poor players, because the US Open was, anyone could sign up, me and you, Dave, we could go and play, pay $750 mm. and sign up. So he he was playing, you know, amateur players as such. Um, and then he's gone and played Jason Shaw and Jason Shaw, I know, is very egotistical. He would not have lost to Judd Trump. He wanted mm. to go out there and he wanted to destroy him, which is that is what I love about our players. And he's gone out there and he's done that. And it's good because it's shown the world. No, you can't just make a move over to porn expect to come and and win. You've got to put the time and the effort and you've got to practice. And Judd come away and goes, goes, uh, the... The match that he lost and he got eliminated to he said um, oh, if I put in a few more hours practice this morning I would have won that, there you go mm. and so it was great to see that um, there it was one of the best things that we've done for, for the growth of Paul and I think it benefited both Matru Multisport and Judd as well because I think he saw a different demographic of followers that he picked up mm. and I think sometimes the way that Judd is he can come across slightly arrogant and that's maybe some people see him as that because, you know, he's at the top of his game Mm. and he says um, quite uh, bold things which I respect him for Um, but he was more personable and the interviews we were doing, the press conference he was more personable and he was also respectful of the game Mm. and so he picked up anyone who was, you know kind of marmite about him from the pool world switched Mm. because they saw that different side to him and that's, that's what we try to do in our events. We've got to get the characters across.
1: You mentioned their trending and social media and so on. In terms of the various sports you do, sort of how um, satisfied, how happy are you with the way that the various competitors and players sort of embrace that? I get the feeling in snooker, and I know some people have been burnt by social media and maybe you know left it because they haven't had great experiences, but it seems to me some people sort of get that that's part of it and some people don't want anything to do with it.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a really tricky... Um, business to sort of be in because I even find myself that, I can find it's all very overwhelming mm. and for a couple of weeks I come off of like Facebook's really big in poor world Yeah. and I find that I come off of Facebook for a couple of weeks because I find it a bit too overwhelming you know, you get trolled and things like that mm. and it's, it's not very um, nice and you can say one thing and then it just spirals out of control so social media has just become such a huge thing nowadays because it's the voice of everyone it, it, you know that's how you get your opinion across and that's how you get your voice across and um, and also people don't think before they click and um, so we're in this crazy world that everything is on your phone everything is social media and we kind of have to embrace it um really and just also the well the, the figures that we're seeing that people are tuning into the events and people are talking about things. I'm, I mean, we touched base on it earlier. As long as everyone is talking about it, and that's that's what we want. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes social media is that difficult bit where people maybe just don't think before they do something, and it does make you sit back and wonder. And sometimes you see stuff, and even the shirts this week, I see stuff on there, and all I want to do is be like, no, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but you have to take a step back and go, do you know what? everyone's entitled to their opinion you don't like them that's cool but at least we've tried something new and we've just shown a bit of braveness with it and and i'm not going to just you know keep saying that out there let everyone voice their opinion if everyone's talking about champ of champs then so be it um but you know our aim is to make all of our events trend on twitter you know that's quite an ambitious aim and we've got earl strickland coming for the moscone cup this december we don't know what he's got in the tank <laughs> sort of thing. So uh, hopefully we get trending on there. Mm. Uh, but it's, it's a huge part of our, well, part of our life now. And it's a, it's a new generation. I mean, TikTok, I don't even know what that is. That's <laughs> don't look at me. No, <laughs> TikTok, Snapchat. I'm like, oh, mm. my God, there's so many of these things. Mm. Twitch, mm. it's all about socials these days. And we just have to embrace it.
1: Mm. Last question then, Emily. Mm-hmm. What's the best thing about working for Matchroom?
0: The best thing, what a good question. The best thing working for Matchroom is the Christmas party. <laughs> 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 no, look, it's um, I think waking up every day and yeah, it's, it's tough having quite an intense job and it's, it's tough uh, challenges that you kind of work on. But you wake up each day and you want to go to work. Mm. And the moment you don't, you might as well just go on to something else. Because if everyone in your team feels that way and has that thrusted on it within them, it reaches out to everyone on the, on the event. Just Even just freelancers that we bring in, our MC that comes in, anyone that comes and works on the tournament. You want to be there. Your work is going to be tenfold of if you don't want to be there. And I think the greatest thing to work for Matchroom is to be led by someone like Barry, who's just a character in himself. But to just go to work and love it, I mean, what more could you ask for?
1: Brilliant. Well, you given that I've got plenty of things to do yeah. for the rest of the day, I'll let you go. Thanks for being on the podcast, Thank Emily. You, it's been Dave. great to talk Thank to you. you. Cheers.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.